We're back with the Tech Policy Grind. I'm Rima Musa, and I'm a fellow with the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, the organization where the next generation of tech law and policy professionals convene to write, think, and talk about the web, technology, and disruptive innovation. This is the Tech Policy Grind, the Foundry's podcast where we chat about what's going on in the world of tech policy. Hello, hello, and welcome back, everyone, to the Tech Policy Grind. I'm so excited for y'all to hear this week's episode, another rendition of our fellow Highlights series hosted by the one and only Mary Bagdasarian. This time, we had on Grant Versfeld, a threat intelligence engineer at a major tech company. He's also a co-vice president of the Foundry, along with me, and has been such an amazing collaborator and leader through our time together in the Foundry. Let it be known, also, that he absolutely shreds at karaoke. He's got a great story and fascinating path into cyber policy from a technologist's perspective, so I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get into it. Hi, Grant. Excited to have you on Tech Policy Grind. How are you doing today? Hey there, Mary. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm super excited to um, share Grant's story, but I'm not the one who's going to do it. So I am passing this the floor to Grant to tell us about himself and how he got to where he's now in his career journey. Sure. So I'm, I'm Grant. Hi, everybody. Uh, thrilled to be here. I'm an early career professional right now, working primarily in the cybersecurity space. And I have a big interest in the public interest technology space as well. So I try to aim with what I do to help protect both users of the internet and users of other technical devices, and basically just try to make sure that people are not being harmed by the interactions that we have with our technologies, and that the policies and the controls we build, um, both from a legal and technical view, are doing good and helping people at the end of the day. So I have spent a little bit of time working on my way to get here About five years ago, I had attended an event at the Princeton Center for IT Policy, and that was my first introduction to the space. So I was sitting there and I I remember thinking, holy cow, this is really cool. Here we have a bunch of experts who are very technical people. They're very well versed in kind of what these issues mean. They understand how computers work and how the internet works, but they get to read and write and talk about some of these problems. And they kind of apply that knowledge to help other people understand what the issues are in this space and how we can overcome them. So that was kind of my initial entry. So I I spent more or less the past few years since then trying to work my way into the space. At Tufts University, where I went to college, I took a lot of our cybersecurity courses. And I also took some other courses that we had offered at the Fletcher School uh, under Susan, Susan Landau and Dr. Josephine Wolf. The two of them were just really wonderful people who helped me understand a bit more about this space. And I had the uh, utter pleasure of TAing for Susan Landau in one of her courses. And through that experience, kind of that was where I got my my big foray into the world of, of cyber policy and kind of just legal things in general. And I've basically been working since then now in my full-time job to kind of keep one foot squarely in this world and use that technical knowledge that I've been developing 
to, to again, ultimately do good and help people who are using our, our tech. That sounds so fascinating. And I always find it interesting when people with more technical skills also are interested in policy, because I think we need more of that. Um, so have you had any um, opportunities before your current role where you explored more of the policy side and how you think your technical knowledge helped you when you were working on any projects there? Sure. Yeah, so I did. When I was when I was at Tufts, I had the opportunity to intern one summer with the Center for Democracy and Technology, which is a tech advocacy organization based in Washington, D.C., who helps advocate both for users and for tech companies and help legislators understand the various problems in this space for a wide variety of, of tech-related issues. Um, so while I was there, I was working on the Competition Data and Power Project under CDT's uh, general counsel at the time, Avery Gardner. And as a, as a non-lawyer intern, it was a really exciting opportunity because I had honestly almost no understanding of, of competition law or antitrust policy or, or anything kind of related to that. So it was really exciting for me to basically get there and dive into some of those issues and use the technical expertise that I had coming from a computer science degree and help uh, both Avery and some of the other CDT experts understand some of the issues that they work with in, in a different frame. So I had the opportunity to do a couple different projects with them, um, both for that project and for some of the other projects. But I think one of my favorite ones and the one where I really got to shine with some of my, my technical background was their, their Techsplanation series. So they have a, a little blog series where they, or I guess not so little at this point, but a blog series where they go in and then they, they share for people from a policy background kind of a, a what you know, what if or what is for various technical things. So what is the internet? Or like what would happen if, you know, you wanted to learn more about the border gateway protocol? All these kind of more more specific technical things that come up during a lot of our legal and policy discussions, but they aren't necessarily things that, you know, all the lawyers in the room may have a, a full understanding of. Yeah, I think we need definitely need more of that, especially with anything that is an acronym. That is always so challenging for non-technical professionals. Um, so where are you now? What are you working on? What kind of issues are top of mind for you? Sure. So right now I'm working at a major tech company um, on their cloud side, and I'm working on one of their threat intelligence teams, uh, which is a team that does technical work to help identify and then understand the processes taken out by uh, bad actors, as we call them, or attackers, or people who are, are doing malicious things uh, with with the you know the resources that we have available. Um, so what I do in my day to day work is kind of a mix of things. We do a bit of analysis work. We'll do a little bit of write ups to kind of help other people understand what we're seeing, and then we do a lot of coding and other technical, uh, more traditional technical things to help build proactive tooling that helps us identify when these bad behaviors are happening again so that we can understand what's going on and try to see the bigger picture of what's, you know, what badness is happening in the world, as we sometimes say. Yeah, I think um, this is the un unnoticed side of uh, technologies that people just don't think about, but you guys are working in a way in the background. So maybe because we don't hear about you, it's actually, it actually means that you are doing your job well. That's how I see it. 
because we just never know like <laughs> the threats never materialize or they don't materialize in a way that they could have had so i guess my question here will be do you have any you know like is there anything that you think our listeners can do to make your job easier uh in terms of like you know any vulnerabilities or something that is like user generated that you think that people need to pay more attention to oh man that's a that's a really good question i would say that as a as a practitioner on the technical side right now i think the biggest thing that i would love to see from from other people across the space is kind of a continued interest in what we do i think that there's a lot of people that i've met in in my time with the foundry and in my time at this internship and other events and conferences that i've been at where i've encountered people who've just been so excited to find out that i that i work on the technical side and so they want to learn from me and i of course want to learn from them so i would say just kind of keep that up i think you know interactions like this as we're working on the podcast here are are really exciting because i think we can help break down some of the the divides that we have and i think at the end of the day we all have a lot to learn from one another on any aspect of these issues So as long as people keep showing an interest in that and keep trying with that, I think we're all going to be better served at the end of the day. Yeah, open dialogue and keeping abreast of all the developments and changes for sure. So Grant is my fellow uh fellow from the Foundry, uh but before we go to what Grant does at the Foundry, are are you do you have any other um you know professional memberships or any other volunteering activities that you do that you that you would like to share yeah definitely um i don't have any current professional memberships uh the cybersecurity space has i think a less pronounced professional membership kind of vibe as maybe uh the legal space does but i do in my free time volunteer with an organization called cida uh which is the clinic to end tech abuse based over at Cornell Tech in New York City and in my work there I uh serve as a volunteer consultant and I work directly with survivors of intimate partner violence um and myself and the other uh clinicians help provide services to these individuals who are either in or escaping uh situations in which they are are being abused uh via means of technology So I've I've gotten a lot out of doing that work kind of unlike my day job it's very one to one I get to see kind of the direct impacts of both our our technologies and our laws on individuals who often are at higher risk of you know just being in a bad situation um so I've I've found that to be somewhat rewarding um if not tough at times for sure but one of the things that I've really enjoyed about that experience is getting to know some of the policy advocacy people in that space. So at CIDA we have uh one individual Thomas Kadri at University of Georgia Law who serves as our advocacy coordinator and works very closely with a lot of experts in the space both on the hill and elsewhere to help advocate for survivors of IPV. And um I had a very small part in helping with some of this last year. There's an event every year called Hackers on the Hill that brings cybersecurity professionals to the hill. to talk with representatives uh basically about anything but when i was there we were advocating uh with cida for the safe connections act which recently passed as a bipartisan bill so it was really exciting to have a very small part in speaking to one of the staff members at an office about that bill and say hey i work with this group called cida here's what we see every you know every day as we work on some of these issues 
And here's how you can help us kind of improve some of the language on that bill and help us, um, you know, take our recommendations. It was really exciting. It ultimately passed. So it's been a very rewarding experience. And it's, it's nice to see kind of how, again, that mix of technical experts and legal and policy experts can come together and uh, write bills and help things happen in the world that ultimately directly impact and, and help people to get them out of tough situations. That sounds fascinating to me, uh, especially it shows the beauty of interdisciplinary approach, as you also just alluded to. So I'm super happy that you are engaged in this. And I didn't know about the clinic, but we'll make sure to uh, link it in the show notes for people to check it out. And maybe some other people interested may volunteer there as well. Um, now turning to what you are doing at the Foundry, um, just tell us how your experience has been so far and what are you working on right now? Sure. So I'll just say my, my experience so far at the Foundry has been utterly wonderful. It's given me the opportunity to meet really cool people like yourself, as well as the other members of the eboard and current fellows. And, you know, the, the Foundry, I think, is just so well connected between our current fellows and our alumni. And it's it's honestly just been super exciting to be part of a group like this. I've, I've had a lot of fun and I've learned a ton, which I think at the end of the day is why a lot of us came to this organization. Um, but some of the stuff that I'm wor working on right now are, we just wrapped up our annual trivia night. So that was the seventh annual trivia night that the Foundry has hosted. If I'm not mistaken, I think this one was our biggest one yet, which we were all very happy about. Um, we had, I think, 100 or 120 or so people there. Um, we had people playing trivia, people coming to support, and it was a just a wonderful, wonderful time. I originally actually learned about the Foundry from Trivia Night. I remember seeing it on Twitter uh, a while back, people talking about it. And I was like, oh, that seems kind of cool. I wonder, you know, who puts that on? And so I think in a weird way, long term, that's kind of what helped me learn about the Foundry and make my way towards it. But you also asked, was it anything special I'm working on? Um, other things right now, we're currently gearing up to help elect the next class of the e-board. So fellows, as you know, serve for two years in the foundry. And on the latter half of the year, at the moment, we have our class five fellows in as junior fellows. They're ramping up for their second year, in which point they'll become the senior fellows. So us on the e-board right now for class four, beginning to think about winding down and getting stuff ready for them to come on board. And then I'm also helping plan for our Cybersecurity Awareness Month event in October, CyberCon. So everyone highly recommend if you're listening to the podcast, keep an eye out. We'll have a bunch of speakers and events lined up soon. And we're pretty thrilled to have what's in store for that coming out soon. Congrats on Trivia, first of all, and super excited about CyberCon. And I think you were involved with CyberCon last year as well. How was that experience overall? I was. It was a lot of fun. Um, again, just the, the sheer number of ideas that people bring to these events is, is always just really cool to see. I learned so much. I had the opportunity to both help plan CyberCon a little bit. Um, Ricky George, our president, has been helping take lead on that project, which is you know great to work with her as always. And I, uh, last year during the CyberCon, interviewed one of my former professors, Josephine Wolf, from the Fletcher School. And we talked about her new book, which was analyzing some developments in cyber insurance and looking at the ways that cyber insurance policies both do and don't work sometimes when thinking about major cyber attacks. So that was a lot of fun. It was really, really good to talk with her and connect with her again. Um, and, and once more, just the kind of the connections that we make during these, these planning 
events are just so much fun. And I got to hear a lot of other interesting talks from the experts on the other panels. So it was a good time. Yeah, I just joined a couple of sessions last year and I learned so much because this is not like cybersecurity is not my field. And I was like, yes, people put so much effort and this is so rewarding. So glad to hear that your experience through like organizing and moderating panels was also uh, fun and exciting. Um, and in general, I think you also mentioned that Foundry is about like learning and people and like networking and just building your community. And it's also a space that is more interdisciplinary because we have a lot of people that are lawyers like myself. We have people that have my policy background and then we have more technical people like you. And um, I guess my question is, do you uh, think that people in this space need more, this is a perpetual question, I think, but do you think that people need more technical knowledge or understanding? Or there is like a baseline that everybody better know when they are in this space? Or the second part, like second option is, do you think just having people with technical background in the room is sufficient to make good progress on these issues? Ooh, also another very Good question. That's an interesting one to think about. I would say it certainly has helped me to have a technical background in these conversations. Um, again, being in, in situations where I was surrounded by lawyers or I'm surrounded by policy professionals who have worked in space and understand the issues you know, very extensively and they've been doing it for 20 years or whatever, I have often felt that it has helped me to come in with the background knowing the technical details. Um, but I don't necessarily think I'd say that it's critical that everyone, you know, knows everything. Um, honestly, I think it's just impossible. There's too much in this space. Uh, jumping back to Trivia Night, just to even look at the questions that our host Kurt was asking at Trivia Night, you know, I, I think even for all the wonderful experts in the room, we had a lot of people sitting there going, oh my gosh, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer and, uh, you know, I focus on Section 230 issues. Like, I, I couldn't possibly answer all these other uh, questions about, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever else was, was coming up. And, and I think that's, that, that, that's a good thing, honestly. I think at the end of the day, everyone should find what they're interested in and focus on that. And I think that as long as we keep having these kind of interdisciplinary conversations, and um, in some ways I've, I've tried to refer to what I do as almost being a translator for technical people or vice versa. I think as long as we keep doing that and we have people who do that, I think at the end of the day, we'll all be served well because it gives us the opportunity to focus on what we're really interested in. And from there, I think it's just about collaboration. And as long as we keep doing that, I think things will go well. I'm totally with you. I think it would be good to have a little bit of baseline understanding, but like we cannot be experts of everything. So really leaning into collaboration is also how I see the way forward. So interesting to see that because you and I have different backgrounds, it's just interesting to see that we think that it may work that way. Um, and you already mentioned that you've been, like you work in private sector now, but you also volunteer with nonprofits and you, you interned there. You also were in academia for a while. So you've had different hats and it, this space is like, it's beautiful because there is no blueprint as you know all of our like episodes in this series mention but i think it's also challenging because people sometimes are too overwhelmed when they're trying to find their footing 
So I would love to know if you got any advice that stuck to you and you think helped you when you were trying to figure out your way here. And if there is anything else that you learned through your journey that you would like to share with our listeners. Definitely. I, I think that's, a first of all, a really relatable thing. I remember when I first became interested in this space way back when I would go to events or I would see conversations happening online. Or honestly, I would even just be reading articles and I would think to myself, oh my gosh, I have no clue what's happening. Like there is too much to learn. There are people who've been doing this longer than I've been alive and are, are just so far ahead in, in every possible way. And so I used to, to just be so worried about that. But I, I was really lucky when I was uh, just after freshman year of college, I attended the RightsCon convention in Toronto as part of their Young Leaders program. And they had a bunch of experts come speak to us at this program. And, and they basically sat us down. And, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was. I have my notes from, from back then. But I think this was 2018, maybe. So it's been a little bit. I forget exactly who said it. But they gave us all advice that day. And they said, hey, look, end of, at the end of the day, when you come into the space, just, you know, be yourself, be confident. And remember that not everyone knows everything. So don't try to. And they kind of set the stage for us that day to just go in with an understanding that you can't really learn everything, as I was saying earlier, and you shouldn't always try. But what you should do is try to meet people who do know other things, because you'll have things to bring to them and they'll have things to bring to you. And I know that's, I think it may be a little cliched answer at the end of the day, but I think it just underpins, honestly, everything we do at the Foundry. And, and I think almost what we stand for is collaboration, you know, making friends in the space and not being afraid to just go ask people. You know, if, if you're new in the space, maybe I'll boil it down to my advice would be don't be afraid to reach out to people. Um, I've also personally been very lucky to, you know, have some mentors and other people help me out. Um, just when I reached out to them and said, hi, I'm Grant, I'm new in the space. Here's what I want to do, or here's what I want to learn. You know, how can you help me or, or what can you do to help me get there? Um, or, or at the very least, you know, here's a question I have. Can you just answer this one question? And, and I found that people in the space are just so incredibly nice and they've always been welcoming and happy to help out. So I would say my advice is don't be afraid to ask others for help and don't be afraid to just go reach out and make those connections. You know, ask someone for, for to go get coffee in D.C. or, you know, walk up to that person at the convention and just say, hey, I have nothing to say to you, but I follow you on Twitter and your work is really cool. And and people just react so well in this space. And I think that's really special. I totally agree, especially when you walk up to people that you just been following on Twitter for a while and then you see them in person and then you can chat with them. That's very special. Um, thanks so much for sharing that advice. I think it's uh, very, very, um, you know, true and helpful for people that are maybe too self-conscious around what they are. But they what they have to bring to the table, but I think everybody has something to bring to the table. So totally agree with you. Um, you have a very special focus, I think. Uh, and are there any resources that you think would be useful for people that are also considering a similar career path? Definitely. So first, I have to say it. I'm a big fan of the, the work we do here at ILPF. So follow the Foundry. We have an email list. We have a blog. Um, I think some fellows right now are looking into writing some papers or, or doing other publications, um, and certainly our events, both in person and online, huge plug for that. Um, but I also would say, you know, look up some of the other resources that are out there. There's a lot of really good, both blogs and email lists that people put together. 
Uh, one of the ones that I follow is the Tech Policy Press email list, um, and it distills a lot of the high-level just news articles and, and things coming out uh, from, from each week. And I found that to be good just to kind of keep a high level on everything. I used to also be a big fan of keeping up to date uh, with things on Twitter. And I know a lot of people have moved to Mastodon re recently. Um, I don't honestly do that too much anymore. It felt kind of like there's just too much all the time. So I would recommend, you know, find what's interesting to you. And I think this seems to be the theme, you know, just take a look and, and read that. And, you know, if you do have other kind of people or blogs that you start to see kind of coalescing into to where you often go, I would say keep going back and use that as your resource to start. And from there, you'll just kind of see the web. You know, tech policy is not a very large industry. So once you start your, you get your foot in the door and you start your first job or you do an internship or you even you just meet a few people at a conference, you know, you're going to have that foot in the door and pretty quickly you'll realize that people are connected in all sorts of ways. So it all just kind of spirals from there. Thanks so much, Grant. I can totally plus one everything you mentioned uh, from my experience. Um, this was wonderful. I'm so excited for all the things that you do and was super interesting to learn about all the projects that you worked on and are working on currently. So to wrap up our um, chat, I will just want to know uh, what is next for you? What are you excited about now and what do you look forward to at this stage in your career? Ooh, good question. Right now, I'm just really excited to keep continuing my work with the Foundry. Uh, us in class four have a few more months left. We conclude at the, I believe December of this year will be, will be the end of our term as fellows. So I'm really excited to just continue with all of the things we have for that. CyberCon is coming up, our hackathon is coming up, um, and we have just a bunch of other things on the docket and ideas for next year that we're, we're helping work with and pass on to the new class of fellows. Um, but in terms of my career, you know, right now I'm excited to continue in the cybersecurity space. Um, I think I'm going to work a little while longer and really dive into kind of extending my technical capabilities. You know, for as much as I, I consider myself to know a fair amount about tech, there's still so much out there. And, you know, there's always more to learn. And so every day I go into work and I feel like I learned something new. So I'm excited for that as well. And I think, you know, maybe in the next few years, I'll start looking more about keeping that foot in the, the policy world, continuing, continuing my work with CETA, maybe doing some advocacy on the side with that, and just continuing to network and ultimately try to do good by, by everyone else and make sure that, that our tech is doing good in the world. I already feel more confident and protected because I know you are one of the people thinking about this. So, so really thank you for everything you, that you do and for taking time to chat with me today. I will make sure to plug everything that you mentioned in the show notes and to our listeners, I'll just say stay tuned for the next episode in this series. Thanks, Grant. Mary, thank you so much for the kind words and it's been wonderful being on. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tech Policy Grind. If you enjoyed the show, get in touch with us at Foundry Podcasts with an S at ilpfoundry.us or leave us a review wherever you're tuning in. I'm Rima Musa, the host of the show. And this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of our team at the Internet Law and Policy Foundry. Thank you to Evan Enzer for editing this episode, Lama Muhammad, our social coordinator, Alison McReynolds, our accessibility coordinator, and Tim Lorden at the Internet Education Foundation. 
See you next time.